0: CHAPTER Ten OF ENTRAPPED BY ALICE Mangold Deal THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN At first, as she stared about the room where she had seen the terrible illusion, she felt unreasoning horror. Cold drops stood on her brow as she gazed at the spot where it had appeared. Her hair seemed to bristle on her head. Uncle came from among the dead to warn me we must never, never be married, she told herself, shivering but after she had drunk her tea when the sunshine streamed into the room and the ordinary cheery sounds within the hotel and without seemed to give the lie to the supernatural she began to wonder if after all the thing had been a dream or if not an ordinary dream if her brain that delicate and complicated piece of human machinery had not had one of those attacks which scientists know of but at present do not profess to understand she clutched at the idea as the proverbial drowning man at the straw as she dressed and breakfasted she recalled tales she had read of optical illusions and delusions it is as plain as possible the explanation of it she told herself i was worried about the cost of my trousseau just before i really fell asleep i was wondering what poor uncle who was so dreadfully stingy would have thought if he could have known that directly he was dead i should marry andrew and spend such a lot of his money on wedding clothes And i had an unusually vivid nightmare and simply got out of bed in my sleep it was that dinner she remembered how after a breaking-up party at her godmother's school where miss vigors being her sole friend on earth she naturally remained during the holidays the girls who shared her room declared she got up in the night and began to dress and when they awakened her she had a fit of screaming i will not force myself to eat again when i don't want to she resolved As she drove out in the hotel brougham from the haberdashers to the bootmakers from thence to the fashionable milliners and dressmakers but her last purchase showed that she had not quite forgotten her nightmare it was a box of night lights guaranteed to be the most satisfactory by a famous firm which sold such things she passed the next night quietly then the shopping and the persuasion to those who undertook her orders to execute them in time diverted her thoughts She felt the circumstance that she was neither to write to andrew nor to receive letters from him acutely but when she had suggested it he had shortly said impossible so she had to keep up her spirits as best she could by reading books and newspapers and marking the lovely things which were constantly arriving before packing them away in her new trunks andrew had said that although he might have to run up to town on business connected with their marriage he could not risk exciting suspicion in anyone's mind by staying away a minute longer than he had been accustomed to when making his periodical visits to messrs flowerdew and pearlby's offices it won't do zoe and that's all about it he had said if we are to have talk we may as well chuck the whole thing up our marriage will revive all people's vile suspicions or even worse may happen i will try and see you in a week and after then only when we start for the registrars however when zoe came in late one afternoon it seemed that andrew's patience had failed him a gentleman called to see you about half an hour ago madam said one of the hotel officials coming forward with a deferential smile he would not leave his name he was dark yes not very dark i should say and tall yes taller than i am i said you generally came in to dinner and if he returned later he would probably be able to see you but he could not say whether he would be able to do so or not thanks said zoe her heart beating so violently her whole body trembling so much that for once she overcame her prejudice and was taken up to her floor in the lift for the remainder of the evening she was wound up to a pitch of the most concentrated excitement she sat near the door her eyes riveted upon it listening to every footstep every voice but evening became night the hotel noises diminished then almost ceased midnight struck he cannot come now, she miserably thought, and she went to bed the next few days she had hard work to rally her spirits. Then came one of those stormy days which sometimes occur in spring. The wind howled and raged about the big building, moaning in the chimney of her sitting-room, driving sheets of rain against the window-panes. She resolved not to go out. The day when he had called, she had wandered about the National Gallery and the other picture shows to kill time, when all the while he was in town, and while she was gazing vacantly at the picture of a forlorn girl waiting in a cottage by the sea for the lover or young husband who would never return, a picture which had affected her strangely, he, the only one she lived and cared for on earth, her one tie to life, had come and gone, failing to find her fate is a strange thing she thought as she sat and sewed then arranged her beautiful trousseau afresh in her new boxes that i should just have been late that one day if i had come in at my usual time and had not stopped in that wretched gallery staring at that miserable picture i should have seen my love my husband unbounded faith in andrew had been hers hitherto but as she sat that stormy afternoon re-sewing buttons on some dainty garments a sudden horrible idea flashed across her what if he had changed his mind what if this sending her to london with a large sum of money were a ruse that he might get safely away from her with the intention of never seeing her more did not his anxiety to be off and away the shutting up of the house the fear of their matrimonial plans leaking out point to it "'Oh, God, how dare I think such things of him!' she mentally cried, flinging away her work and stormily pacing the room. Then she utterly broke down. Rushing away into the bedroom, she cast herself prone upon her bed and abandoned herself to a storm of convulsive sobs. she was powerless to control. Just as she was growing calmer and rising, was mixing some sal volatile in a glass with a cold, shaking hand, she started. The door of her sitting-room opened. She heard voices miss bourne must be out said a man's voice then she heard a reply in andrew's beloved tones i expect she is in the other room and a tap on her door which was ajar followed i am coming she said her joy so overpowering that it strengthened her to speak calmly then hearing the sitting-room door shut she flew out and was in his arms shuddering palpitating and evidently frightening him why my love what is it he asked alarmed as he held her away and gazed at her dimmed eyes and blurred features with concern has your courage failed you it is not too late even now my darling i will not make you my own against your will i am ready to swear that she gave a half maddened laugh and frantically kissing his coat his hand which held hers she laid her head pathetically against his shoulder i think it was being out when you came Missing you when I was so longing and yearning just to hear your voice, which finished me up, she began. Then, seeing him frown and stare, she stopped short. My dear love, what are you talking about? He emphatically asked, holding her away from him, and gazing sternly into her eyes. You have not missed me. This is the very first time since I took these rooms for you that I have set foot in the place. She stared at him, perplexed. Well, one thing is pretty certain. ''Someone called to see me. Some man,'' she said, a little consoled, that her missed delight was not caused by her own foolishness. Then she related the circumstance, repeating the hotel official's words as exactly as she could. The effect her communication had upon her lover was startling. He paled to an ashen grey, his eyes seemed to recede into his head, as he questioned her in a severe, judicial manner. The lover vanished, only the harassed, determined man remaining whom she had learnt to know that he sometimes was since the ghastly sequence of events at Heatherley Court. I must look into this, he said. You must show me the waiter or porter who told you. It must be some mistake, for no one but you and myself know of these aliases of ours. But you must bathe your eyes and look a little better before we show ourselves about, or they will think I have been thrashing you. He laughed. A forced laugh gave her a few hasty kisses, then sent her to her room to remove the traces of her emotion if she could. As she bathed her eyes again and again, and dressed carefully in outdoor attire, donning a thick veil as he had suggested, she heard him restlessly moving about the sitting-room. "'That's a little bit better,' he said, as she returned. "'Come, this is what we must do. Go downstairs, where you will show me, as little conspicuously as you can, the man who made this extraordinary mistake.' You will then go upstairs again in the lift, and wait for me here. Do you understand?' She assured him she did, so together they made their way down the thickly-carpeted staircase into the hall, where she suddenly halted. ''That is the man who told me, standing by the door,'' she said in a low tone. ''Go upstairs again, just as if you had forgotten something,'' he returned. As she obeyed him, she wondered what could possibly have happened to make the official fall into such an absurd mistake could there be another lady named bourne among the many guests or more probably was a miss or mrs bourne to arrive shortly that was the most plausible explanation that the man who called and asked for miss bourne had anything to do with either herself or andrew she did not believe for a single instant she was rejoicing in the happy calm which was gradually replacing her stormy emotion when andrew came abruptly into the room and after carefully closing the door across to where she was sitting the man was for us little doubt of that he somewhat bitterly exclaimed luckily i got a special license yesterday we can be married to-morrow he took her hand and holding it gazed curiously at her as she shrank back with a startled look but oh my frocks will not be ready until next week she cried that is a very minor consideration he said springing up and beginning to pace the floor what a child you are She watched him in his evident perturbation anxiously, until he suddenly came and stood before her, his hands thrust into his coat-pockets. "'Look here,' he somewhat roughly began, "'there is only one important thing for either of us, to get away as soon as possible, and to get away safely married. Do you want to ruin me, or do you not?' "'Andrew!' she cried, so piteously that he was all penitence in a moment. After he had soothed her with all his former endearing tenderness, he became cheery, if not gay now understand my idea of real life is let us eat drink and be merry for to-morrow we die he said and if we are to pull together at all you must adopt it as well let the frocks go hang we will be off to-morrow in spite of them and now you are coming with me for a day out i have cut the old place it is shut up i am staying at the international for to-night i will tell you all about to-morrow by-and-by now we are going out to lunch and later on dinner and return for half an hour to dress for the theatre lock up everything and come along in another half hour zoe was shut into one of the hotel carriages with her beloved and between his stolen caresses he was holding forth of the future which he painted in such glowing colours that the past seemed to recede and vanish she forgot all but the happy time to come end of chapter ten